Hey guys, welcome to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley, and today I'm going to be chatting with my friend, Jamie Sumner. We're going to be talking about life as a special needs mom, but even deeper than that, even if you are not a special needs mom, we're going to be talking about the hope that we can have in Christ, even when the needs of our children feel bigger than we can handle. I think that all of us can relate to that. Before I get into today's interview, though, I have a few housekeeping items. As I explained last week, we have three more weeks. After today, we have three more weeks of this mini-series on family. Next week, we'll be hearing from Jim and Lynn Jackson on the topic of parenting. We're going to be talking about discipline strategies and just how to parent well. So that's a great episode. After that, September McCarthy on the glories of motherhood, and then Glenna Marshall on the topic of everyday faithfulness. And then after that, we have the much-anticipated series, Christianity and Culture, which will be taking us through the rest of the year, the rest of 2020, God willing. So that series is going to be larger, and it's going to have topics covering a biblical—we're going to cover a biblical and a secular worldview— on all of these topics. There's gonna, we're going to have God and man, law, sin and brokenness, truth, apologetics, politics, parenting and family, fear of God and holy courage, sexuality and gender, belonging and friendship, suffering and trials. I mean, this is going to be amazing. I'm so, so excited for this series, and I know you guys are going to love it. So that's what we have coming up for the rest of this year. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was that I am accepting sponsors for that series. So if you have a small business or a service that you provide that you would like to get out to this audience of Kindled women and Kindled listeners, I would love to see if it would be a good fit and see about partnering with you to sponsor an episode or several episodes over this coming fall. The sponsorship is actually relatively affordable compared to a lot of traditional advertising and even social media advertising. I would be happy to send you my media kit and pricing if you want to take a look and just see if it's something that would be a good fit for you. And that has all of the demographic information on this audience as far as age, gender, work status, how they respond when they hear ads, whether they look for more information stuff that you would want to know if you're looking to advertise on Kindled. So I am really hoping to have this entire series sponsored. And if you are interested in doing that, please let me know. Reach out. Uh, My email is Haley at KindledPodcast.com, H-A-L-E-Y at KindledPodcast.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram at HaleyWilliams.Kindled, and I will be happy to connect with you that way as well. All right. Now for my conversation with Jamie Sumner. Well, hello, Jamie. Welcome to Kindled. Thank you so much for having me. So I would love to kind of get into your story and hear about your journey as a parent of a child with special needs. But before we do that, would you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. I'm Jamie Sumner, and I am the author of the book, Eat, Sleep, Save the Word, <laughs> Save the World, Words of Encouragement for the Special Needs Parent. And I am the mom to three kids. We live in Nashville. My son, Charlie, is my oldest. He's seven. And then I have five-year-old twins, Cora and Jonas. And yeah, so I'm a mom and a writer, and that's kind of what I do. I used to be an English teacher for that, so mm-hmm. kind of been a jumping around all over the board. Yeah, that's awesome. Why don't you kind of just walk us through your story with your son, Charlie, and tell us about what your journey has looked like this far. 
Ooh, that would be like, I'll give you, so I'm going to tell you, I'll start kind of with the beginning and focus on that because I think those in a lot of ways were the hardest years. Mm -hmm. So Charlie is my son with special needs. I actually found out there was something going on unusual before I had him in utero. I actually, I went in for, oh, it was for my glucose test. And I wasn't supposed to have an ultrasound that day, but somehow they thought that I had one scheduled. So they brought me back and I was like, sure, because I, you know, everyone wants a little extra chance to see their kid. And so that had taken that, you know, sugary drink and, and I already felt weird. And they took me back and apparently there were things on the ultrasound that weren't measuring right. And in particular, Charlie kept sticking out his tongue. And so there were all these things that were... Hmm off that I didn't realize it while I was looking at the screen. I'm like, there he is, you know? And then of course they take me to this back room and, and they said, the doctor will be with you shortly. And I said, well, wait, I'm not, I, I'm not supposed to see the doctor. I just have to go get the blood draw or whatever for the test. And they're like, no, the doctor needs to speak with you. Well, that's never good. Mm-hmm. And so that resulted in a walk from the doctor's office to the hospital for basically a maternal fetal medicine emergency appointment where they did another ultrasound and they did an amnio, which is always scary that late in the game. They, but, and then they sent that off to the Mayo Clinic. And basically we got the call from the Mayo Clinic when I was at 30 weeks and that confirmed that Charlie had something called Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome which is an overgrowth syndrome. It affects things like the tongue, which is why he was sticking his tongue out. And it's a pituitary gland thing. And the day that I got the call, I pretty much hung up the phone and then I went into labor at 30. And I didn't know I was in labor because it was back pain and I had never been in labor before. And so I show up at the hospital finally late that night and they were like, you're having this baby now. So they, like, I'm thinking I'll get a shot, a steroid shot for my back. And they said, no, you're in labor and you're having this baby now. Luckily, because this is God's providence, because we had gotten that call this morning, we didn't go to the hospital we'd planned to go to. We went to the university hospital. That's Mm -hmm. where they told us to go. And so I gave birth to Charlie basically 45 minutes after I arrived at the hospital, but it was with a room full of specialists and they knew what was coming. And so they quickly whisked him away. And, and we spent about 10 weeks in the NICU because of Charlie's enlarged tongue. He could not breathe very well. And we kept trying all these things, but then he would grow and it would get harder again for him to breathe. And so finally we came home and Charlie had a tracheotomy. So the hole in his neck to breathe Mm -hmm. and later got a G2 because he wasn't eating. So And he slept every night with a pulse oximeter, measuring his oxygen and heart rate. And it was a very intensive way to enter parenting. Like in a way it was a blessing because I had no other experience. So this was our normal, but it was very difficult. It was very, every day was very scary, you know, and I had to suction out the tray coal with this machine that sounded like a lawnmower, like multiple, multiple times an hour. And then much more than that when he was sick. I mean, he ended up with RSV at one point and we were in the emergency room and prone to seizures when he was little. And so there were lots of ambulance rides. And, and then at age one, he was diagnosed officially with cerebral palsy, which we, we knew was coming, but it's still never fun to actually 
hear it. Right. But in a, a lot of ways, it was a blessing because then we got all these services and medical equipment and therapists and things we couldn't have gotten. And he had tongue surgery, tongue reduction surgery at seven mm. months, and then eventually got his trach out. So he doesn't have a trach or a G tube anymore, which is a huge blessing. And he's actually one, he's my most hearty kid now. Like he never gets sick or anything when, mm. when my twins bring home stuff from school, you know, he never has it, which is amazing. And so fast forward to now, he's, he's seven, almost eight, and he uses a wheelchair to get around. He can't walk on his own. He also has a kind of looks like an iPad and it's a speaking device that he uses to communicate. He's still kind of learning that. It's not a fast process. It's, it's pretty complicated because it's, I mean, it's learning an entire language in this other format. Right. But he's getting better every day and, and, and it's amazing to see him use it. And I actually, it's funny. I don't need to use it that much with him because he and I have such a shorthand because he can, he can speak a few words. Mm -hmm. And also because he and I are, he and I like yeah. we can basically communicate without words. So it's funny because I, I often don't use it as much as his teachers do because I know Charlie and Charlie knows me and we just have this way. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. So, so in a lot of ways, life now is pretty normal. Like he goes to school every day and you know, he has his brother, his sister, he rides horses in the afternoon as one of his therapies, which is mm -hmm. amazing to, so cool. to watch. Every Thursday he does this, this therapeutic riding program and, and it feels normal because it's a lot less scary now. Like I'm not afraid for him in the way that I was those first mm -hmm. two years of life, which really was, we were pretty much scared all the time. Like the one time my husband went out of town <laughs> when Charlie was less than a year old. I had my mom come over and my husband, Jody went to a football game. Mm -hmm. And so he went out of town and we're, we're in Nashville and he went to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And that night, Charlie sleeps with that monitor and it kept alarming and it was showing his oxygen rates were low. And it was just me and my mom there. And we were terrified mm -hmm. and we ended up rushing him to the emergency room. They whisked him out of my arms and would not let me touch him while they were working on him, which was so scary. And because when you enter into that situation and, and you have a medically complex child, but the people that are taking them from you don't know his whole history, you mm -hmm. want to be there because you want to explain where what you think is this thing is not right, this thing. Right, right. Like this is not this, you know? Yeah. So scary. And that was when he, that of course was the RSV. Mm. And we spent, you know, a week or so in the hospital there. But so- yeah. So now, luckily, life feels life more normal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which like is, I mean, for everyone, it's relative, of course. You know, you have, I'm sure you still have hard, hard days and, mm -hmm. and situations that someone like me would be like, oh my gosh, how do you do that? That looks really intense. But you're like, well, <laughs> compared to where I've been, like, this is manageable. Well, and, and that's the other thing. So I, this is something I always say to parents of kids that are typically developing that they'll start like my mom friends will, will talk to me and they're like, Oh my gosh, she was just throwing up last night. Nobody slept. And then they all like, they all say, they all stop and say, I know that's nothing compared to what you went through. Uh -huh. And I make them stop. And I say, but you know what? Everybody's hard feels yeah. just as hard to them. It's not, yeah. first of all, it's not a competition and it's not like a <laughs> right. scale either. Have the hardest like, life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I always want to tell p other parents, like 
please don't think one, like I'm this martyr here because of what we've gone through. Our heart Mm -hmm. is just our heart and your heart is your heart. And you feel it just as much as I do and vice versa. So it, that's always what I want to tell people because Mm -hmm. I never want them to feel bad for telling me their hard stuff, you know? Right. That makes sense. Yeah. That we, we're not always comparing what difficulty we're going through to someone else's more difficult situation, you know? Cause exactly. of course someone in like a third world developing country could be like, Oh really, Jamie? Like, let me tell you my day. And so it right. just doesn't matter to, to compare that way. But that would be a terrible way to live. Like to, right. to compare, like to always try to put it on a, a level. <laughs> well, and God doesn't, he doesn't make us do that. He, he's not, he, he isn't even treating us that way. Like he right. sees us in where we are at with what we've been given and he meets us there. He doesn't meet us in someone else's difficulty. So, um, exactly. Yeah. So why would we do that to ourselves if he doesn't? Um, so now that you kind of are in a place that feels a little more normal or like you figured out a rhythm that works with your family, where are you seeing God's grace? in this, because I would imagine like those first couple years, maybe it would have like, the grace was like, just that he was still alive and you're mm-hmm. like, everything else mm-hmm. felt really, really challenging. Mm-hmm. But now that you're a little bit through the woods, like I wonder for the mom listening, who's like, still maybe feels like she's in that place. And maybe their kid is, you know, not as young as a two-year-old, but maybe they just still feel like they're just surviving. Like, where are you seeing God's grace today? Well, and I think we all go through those phases. Like, I don't think it's just a gentle incline to like glorious True. parenthood, you know, through the stages. Like, I think there yeah. are dips for everybody. Right. I mean, I'm peeking ahead already towards like adolescence and and just like <laughs> bracing myself a little bit for what that's going to be like. Right. But I think for the parents that are that are still in the thick of it, and I don't know if this helps really, but I think for me, some of the grace I see now is the hindsight that I have to look back on what we've made it through. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I think that is encouragement in a way because whatever you're going through in this moment, in this day, while you're listening to this podcast, whatever is heavy on your heart, it's like, it will pass, you know? it will lessen and it will change and you will be able to look back on it with a different feeling, at least more of a bigger picture understanding of it. And for me, that is such a huge blessing because if you can't learn from the hard things later, then they just feel hard and they, and they just make you bitter. You know what I mean? They just make you angry that that happened or that you went through that or your kids were going through that. And I think be able to have that perspective and see where God has carried you to is huge because it does keep your heart soft when it wants to kind of grow hard. Yeah. What, tell me about a time or situation where you have experienced that anger in your life with your situation with your kids. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Right. I have a lot too. (laughs) Right. Like I would say there was this one time and this is when Charlie was less than two. I'm not exactly sure, but he had been sick off and on, had a fever and I had given him a bath and he was putting his pajamas on and he started seizing. And at first we weren't, we weren't sure that's what it was because with the CP, his legs sometimes shake when he has a fever, but it didn't stop. And so I remember kneeling on the floor, not even knowing where to put my hands on him that would be safe 
and calling for Jody to call 911. And, and then the next thing I remember it's, you know, it's firemen in our house and they're trying to get seizure meds into him. And then there's a, the pop of the stretcher and then he's out in the driveway and then there's an ambulance and then they won't let me sit back there. I have to sit in the front and who's watching the twins and where is Jody? And it was this chaotic, terrifying yeah. moment because I could not get to my son and all parts of my life were spinning out. Mm-hmm. And we rode to the hospital and they didn't know what was, they didn't know why the seizure, this one seizure wouldn't stop. And they did a spinal tap and they hooked him up to the EEG, you know, with the probes on his head. And we had to wait for days to see what that w- would look like. And, and I remember being so angry because we had just gotten through the hardest parts. It felt like the scariest parts, and then, mm-hmm. and just started to settle into a normal. And then this happens. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was PTSD. It was like, I was thrown back into this feeling of uncertainty that was so horrible to have to sit back in when I, when we had just climbed out of it. But again, the perspective, it ended up that Charlie, these seizures that he was having when he was young and he ended up going on seizure meds and staying on those until he was, I think five, just in case, but they ended up being the febrile seizures, which are the fever induced seizures, Mm -hmm. which actually a lot of children get. It was probably related to the CP, but the bigger thing, he grew out of them. He grew out of the seizures. And I look back now and I think, oh my gosh, I am so grateful that those medics were so fast to our house and that we had this team working with Charlie that were, when we got, when we got to the hospital and got situated, that were familiar with him because we went to the same hospital that he was born in. And the fact that we got to celebrate when he got off his seizure meds. Like we got to like, if you had told me in that moment of anger that one day there would be an equal measure of joy when he got to stop taking those meds, I would not have believed it. I would not have believed that my heart could have picked itself up after that feeling. And the fact that it did is just proof that God is taking care of us. Even if we don't feel it in the moment, even if we don't want to hear it, like our pastor came that night to pray with us in the hospital. And I remember, I think it was shock too, but I remember not even being able, being able to listen. Like he had his hands on us and I literally couldn't even focus. I couldn't even listen to the prayer because my head, my head was in my heart were just spinning. But then, you know, flash forward and it, my head and my heart are spinning for a different reason. And it's beautiful. Like it's, I am so grateful for every day that he doesn't have to take any medicine and that I don't have to fear that. And that he, he, and then again, like I said, he's the kid that never gets sick now. Like it's just, you know, yeah. You just crazy. Yes. I love what you said about just that you would have never guessed you would have had an equal measure of joy to the pain that you had felt and experienced. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine there's a lot of people listening who are like, I don't know if I can even believe that that is possible, right. mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't uh, have. right. Like you, you in that place were like, you probably would have scoffed at that and been like, mm-hmm. there's just no way you don't, you don't understand what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I didn't tell you this, but I always go deep here on Kindled. So I'd love for you. Cause I think that this is where this is headed is like to kind of tie in. How does the gospel impact your story and your life and Charlie's life and how it, how has it 
freed you? Because I feel like there's just a tie in here with the hope that we have because of Jesus and, Mm -hmm. you know, and that you didn't stay stuck, even though you wouldn't have believed that you wouldn't stay stuck in that place. How have you seen that thread, you know, kind of work its way through your story? Well, so eat, sleep, save the world. One of the things that I do in the book, it's basically my story separated into different parts, different character traits that I see demonstrated in parents of kids with special needs that they probably don't even recognize in themselves, like resilience and determination and thankfulness and all these things that you may not feel in the moment that you see later, like you see it in your own life. Mm -hmm. And each of those parts is our story, but it's also paired with scripture. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always go to in the gospel, and it's funny because this sounds like not being present in the moment, but that's not what it is. So I think about where we are promised that like these tears one day will be dried and the lame will be healed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like literally my son who cannot walk is going to run like, and I'm going to get here to make me cry and I'm going to get to see it. Like that to me is something that like all these others, all these other examples that I've talked about, like of it being really hard and then seeing that joy, it's like, those are just little pictures of what it's going to be like exponentially when we get to heaven and we get to see it complete, like no more of the dips. Like it's just, we're there and we're perfect. And Charlie is perfect. And he'll be able to tell me with his own sweet voice, all the things that he wants to tell me. (laughs) Right. so good it's so true and I like you said it's not it isn't that you're not living in the moment by having that eternal perspective because that is like if if we weren't supposed to to think that way then God wouldn't have put it in scripture you know he wants us to see his intention for us and his desire for us is wholeness and like you said, perfection and completion, not brokenness and, you know, in disease and the things that sin has happened, you know, has caused to be possible in the world. He wants us to be able to remember that this is what you're destined for. And this is where you're bound for, you know, and yet, Mm -hmm. yet it actually, it doesn't make us not live in the moment. I think what it does is enable us to persevere, you know, and to, like you say, like to be resilient and to keep going and to say, okay, one more day, one more day. Yeah. And to live more hopefully in the moment and not let it sink you, you know, not let the feelings of, of fear and anger and all those other things sink you, like not just resilience, but also the, the hope that comes after that you bounce back and then you have hope because there is something to look forward to. Yep. Yeah. Cause imagine like for the people who don't have this eternal hope, how do they even, that's what always gets me is how do people who aren't believers and don't have the hope that we have in Christ, like how do they even face hard things? I don't under, like that's what's it actually feels, amazing. You know what it feels like? It feels like to live that way would be to live in a boat on the ocean without any sail or any way to steer. You are literally just at the mercy of the waves that come at you. Yeah. And it's like you're just literally sailing through life trying to survive. 
right day, you know, and it, it just feels, I don't know. I, I would, that would be exhausting and not yeah. that we don't do that. I mean, we do that too. That's why we have to continually go back to scripture and God's promises and talk to people who can, can give perspective because we all, that's our inclination is to go back to that is to just kind of enter survival mode and just keep on trucking. Right. Um, but um, luckily we have reminders of something else. Yes. Are you a female entrepreneur with a small or budding business? Would you describe your online presence as eh, lackluster at best? Well, girl, you're in luck because you're who I work with and making people shine online is what I do. This podcast is my passion, but in my day-to-day work, I am actually a web and graphic designer. I specialize in working with small businesses run by female entrepreneurs. Why? Because I am one of you. So I just get you. I get how you want to show up online as stellar and amazing as you do in person already. You want a system for growing your email list, converting traffic into customers, and most of all, you just want someone you can trust to execute all of that without a million redos or false starts. I know how hard it is to trust someone with your brand that feels kind of like one of your own children, but if you want to chat about your business's website or digital presence, I'm your girl. Email me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com or check out my web design website at hwilliamscreative.com. When you were talking about just fast forward to glory and heaven and perfection, I I don't know if you've read C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. Yeah, I w- it was just coming back to me how he describes, for anyone who has not read it, you need to read it. <laughs> you can't even listen to another episode until you do. But it's short. He, it's real short. It is super short. Yeah. <laughs> but he describes like the concept is that this bus of people from, is it like the underworld sort of like, I don't know if they're from hell or not. It's they're sort of like middle, middle purgatory. place. Purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Although we kind of just spoiled the ending. I know. That's okay. Well, not, not totally. Um, yeah. So they, oh, visit, yeah, yeah, yeah. they visit heaven and anyways, they're basically ghosts compared to what is in heaven. Like mm-hmm. they are so insubstantial that the blades of grass stab their feet. The heavenly blades of grass are so heavy and thick and weighty and so much more substantial than they are that it, like they can't even walk on the grass. It's painful for them. And the water is like undrinkable because it's just like they, they're ghosts, they're spirits. And so everything mm-hmm. is just beyond what they could even handle physically it's sensory stimulus overload basically right and just the way he explains this and describes it it's like it helps me to put into perspective the difficulties that I'm facing here like Mm -hmm. granted this is not purgatory like we live on the earth but and purgatory is not a biblical idea (laughs) but the idea that you know what we're facing in this physical world it will just not compare. It will not compare with the glory that is to be revealed, like the Bible mm-hmm. says. And again, it's like, I, I don't want anyone to feel like you or I would be minimizing what you're going through because I know people are going through unthinkable difficulties. Yes. The world is a, it can be a very hard place. Yeah. Yeah. But when you can compare that to what will be, and realize that that is like, that is reality. Like this is the shadow, you know, this is the, Mm -hmm. in a sense, this is the spirit world and that's reality. You know what I'm saying? And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, that helps me. Isn't that great? Well, and I would say this too. I think, I think that the reason that book is so great is that the Pat thing that people 
used to say to us that I did not enjoy when we were in the thick of it with Charlie was all this will be made new in heaven. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of like people got uncomfortable and then they ended with that. And it felt like such a pat answer that it kind of made me upset. Not upset at them, but just like, I mean, yes, but here I am, you know? And I would say the thing that helped me get past that when we were in the hardest parts, when I was literally just sitting in it, was to let myself feel all those other feelings too. Like God is okay with me when I'm angry and bitter and have lost hope because I'm human and he gets that. And Jesus was human. And I mean, he came to earth to experience these things and he felt all the things we felt he did. And so I think that you do have to let yourself feel all those other emotions too. And not feel guilty that you can't just hop across the stones to the other side and be like all joy, joy, joy. Right. I think it is important that you go through those other emotions too, because they're necessary and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to deny. And, and I interviewed Christy Straub about her book, how, what am I feeling? And there's a line, it's a children's book actually. And there's a line that says a feeling is just a feeling or, or something, but it, it doesn't get to control you. It doesn't get to yes. control me. So mm-hmm. it's like, it helps kids understand like, yeah, your feeling is real and it's there and it's okay to feel it. And it's not wrong to feel it, but it doesn't get to be in charge of you. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't get to tell you what you are or what to do or how to right. be or any of those things. It doesn't have that level of authority really. And so yes. And to like validate, like I am feeling all these things, but that is not my identity. You know, I don't yes. live there. Oh my gosh. Yes. I tell my kids that all the time. Like, cause they'll be like, he made me angry. And so I did this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, you know, first of all, you felt angry, but it's still, you're, it, you're still in control of your emotions. No one else yeah. can make you feel anything. And secondly, you don't have to give in to those emotions. Right. And then we literally, we will sit there and count to 10 and -hmm. then talk about how do you still feel that way? And see that, that emotion that felt so strong lasted 10 seconds or less, Mm -hmm. you know, and we talk about it because it's so good for me too. Cause I'm like, okay, I I need to count to 10 more often. Yeah, I should, I really need to, I need to somehow be reminded of that in the moment. Cause yeah, emotions, they do feel, they do feel like they can forever. They feel forever. (laughs) It feels like I am justified because this is how I'm feeling and we're not, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's also freeing to know that we're not like, I don't have to be controlled by that. Like that sadness or that anger or that resentment or whatever it is, like because of the gospel, because Jesus has made a way for me to be free and to be truly free, those things don't have power over me. Mm-hmm. So yes. practically speaking, you talk a lot about the, you know, the kind of the ins and outs and like situations that you've come through with your family and your son, Charlie, like in the book. So people can read the book to get all of that. But I would love to know just maybe, you know, from a practical standpoint, how have you as a special needs parent been able to kind of help your child succeed. And you talk about this, like, you know, knowing when to step in and help and knowing when to let go. And I would imagine that is like an ever-changing thing, but is there any sort of advice or wisdom that you could share in regards to how to help that child succeed? 
Well, there's lot, there's lots. And and you're right, like it changes from day to day. And I think the biggest one for me you actually touched on was learning. And this was all me. This was not something that this was about me as a parent, not Charlie as a kid. I had to learn when to be his advocate because as a special needs parent, that's always first in your mind is I've got to be his advocate. I've got to fight for services and for changes in his IEP and these insurance coverage and whatever. Literally for Charlie, I have to be his voice, you know, and and there's that. And then there's the opposite of, but if I don't let him have his freedom and independence and let him struggle, then he's never going to be the independent individual that I'm fighting for him to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have to be very careful in balancing that so it doesn't end up holding him back. And it's small stuff. I'll give you a very specific example. So he has the speaking device, which I told you about. And for a very long time, there's different programs. And you kind of, as you learn one, you go to a higher level to the next one, which is more complex language. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't ready for him to go to the next level. I wasn't sure he was ready. And I, I was afraid if his teacher switched into that, he would just start failing everything and not being able to communicate in school. And that was a very scary feeling for me. Yeah. And I was worried about him transitioning on. And then one day, and they hadn't told me he was ready or anything, but I was just anticipating that. And then one day his teacher, his special ed teacher emailed me and said, I think he might be ready. And I just sat and stared at it for a long time. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. God, do we do this and and risk potential failure? And then back and then he gets frustrated because he can't communicate. Right. Or do we stay where we are and just feel safe? And it took a lot of prayer. And then, you know, I, I said, okay, let's go for it. And, and not only did he do it, but he skipped to, he told her through using his device that he wanted to skip two levels. So, and <laughs> he awesome. did. And, and the crazy part is he did and he's doing it. And if I had said, let's hold off, you know, it, then he would be not, able to express himself like he can now, which is just, Mm -hmm. so it's one of those things where my advice is you just have to remain prayerful in when to step in and when to not. And I think that's true of any parent. Like when do you let your kids sort it out as they're fighting or on the playground or Mm -hmm. when to let them start managing their homework and not hover and, you know, yeah, it's it's just a constant rereading of the situation, I think. Yeah. I, I feel like everything you said, like, although my context is different, I can relate with all of it and, you know, and find my own little situations where I'm like, yeah, I probably, probably need to stop micromanaging you here and just let Mm -hmm. you mess up a little bit and then correct you or redirect you or whatever. And stop trying to like, I mean, for me, it's a control issue. Like stop trying to kind of manufacture the outcome that I want every single time and make sure that everything is perfect and nobody ever misses a nap or misses a this or that, whatever. Right. Just being kind of so tightly wound around the outcome. And that kind of leads me into my next question is like, how can a mom without a special needs kid help or or not even help, but be a better friend to, you know, a friend that she has that does have a, a kid with special needs? Because I think that's a hard 
place to know like, well, what can I do or what should I say or how do I meet you or how do I say the right thing and not say the wrong thing? And am I going to offend you? Or, you know, that's just a challenging, I, I mean, it may not be if you've had that friend for a long time, but I think it can be challenging to step into those relationships and really know, you know, what's the best way to go about it. Right. I think the biggest thing, and this is more like, yeah, like you said, not someone that's super close to you, but more like acquaintance friends. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest thing, like you, you said, like, what do I say? I don't want to say the wrong thing or what's the right thing to say. And that is the one thing that I always lean into. Cause I, I, I always want to tell people, honestly, the quote unquote wrong thing would be to just smile politely and keep walking and not lean in because you're worried about saying the wrong thing. And that happens a lot. It's like you see someone who's different from you and it makes you uncomfortable. And so you like up pops the like politeness front and then you never get deeper. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it can be different in any way, any way that makes you uncomfortable. And so I always say, please don't be afraid to be rude or ask a dumb question to me because if you're asking me or you're talking to Charlie and even though you feel like the conversation isn't going well or or it's awkward, like it's a conversation and it's us engaging with one another. And the Mm -hmm. point of it is not to have this perfect exchange. The point is to just acknowledge each other and lean Mm -hmm. into each other's worlds for a little bit. Yeah. That's that's what we want. We just want to be seen. Like I just want people to see Charlie and to be willing to just feel awkward and talk to him and let him try to use his speaking device with them and let their kids ask him questions that like, you're like, it's like, you know, (laughs) the kid in the grocery store that's like, that lady's fat. Or I like my my son, Jonas always goes, I like old people. Like he walks up to (laughs) any person that looks, has gray hair. And he says, hi, I like you because I like old people. Oh, cool. And and it's one of these things that it's like, you know what? Great. Because that's honest and you're having a conversation and there you go. You know, like that old people analogy is kind of, coming true in our special needs life because like we want people to come up to us and and ask about his wheels or his speaking Mm -hmm. device or whatever yes kelly stuckey whose son um, has dwarfism has said the same thing i've seen her say this on instagram and i've interviewed her as well and she said she just wants people to ask like so like you know, how old are you? So what are you learning? Like, she just wants you to ask normal questions and and you can ask about like, Hey, so like, why are you shorter than everybody else? Like she wants, she wants to be asked that question because then it gives her the authority to give the answer and like to be in charge of the narrative instead of letting other people's thoughts or yes, yes. Correct. Misconceptions. Yes. Right. Right. And just, and to normalize it even like Mm -hmm. this isn't, you don't have to feel weird. It's like, we don't feel weird. Like this is our life. Like, and so bring it, bring it on. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's just good for everyone listening to hear. And it's like, when, when we hear that, it's like, oh yeah, duh. Like how, why would I think anything else would be the right way? But when you're not faced with that situation on a regular basis, like you can almost be like deer in the headlights, like, oh no, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but I think that's really helpful for people to hear to just kind of lean in maybe as a uh, general encouragement. Mm-hmm. And one other thing I want to ask you too practically about is like how do, how have you dealt with your son with negative attention, you know, and handling those situations? And I'm sure obviously every parent deals with that in some way shape or form, but how have you faced those types of situations? I think so 
I have not always handled it well. You know, I, it, it took, it was a learning curve because Charlie does draw stares and things. And especially when he was younger and he still had the big tongue and he still had the trach and we were very obviously different. And I think my answer, like we've had, you know, kids at the grocery store, like looking and then like laughing at Mm. Charlie and things like this. And then in that instance, like the mom did not step in. She pretended like it wasn't happening. Oh, wow. Which was hard. And, and again, it, it goes back to that. Like she, either she was embarrassed or she didn't know what to do. I don't know. But I, in that instance, like I always try to engage the person. And so that Charlie becomes not almost like an object to look at, but an actual human. So mm-hmm. I, Charlie can say hi and he can wave and things. And so I'm always like, Charlie, can you say hi to whoever it is, whether they're staring or maybe they're laughing or whatever it is, if they're clearly like yeah. observing us and he will, and he'll wave. And, and then it, it almost like breaks the moment in a way mm-hmm. that like my anger or a lecture for me is not going to do it. Like yeah. that is going to create more distance, but like to approach what could be indifference or even bullying with friendliness to go back at it with, I'm going to choose to see good intentions here when there may not be. And we're going to treat this like a situation that is going to end positively. Like Mm -hmm. I just have to march into it like that because if I don't, and then I meet their attitude with my own bad attitude, Mm -hmm. it, never works out well because then everybody's on the defensive and then how does that ever end? Well, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it is so hard. I'll tell you, like if I'm not in a good emotional place, if I'm extra stressed or whatever, and that occurs, it's so much harder to pull it back around and be positive in in the situation. But, but it's happened and not like it happens all the time, but it's happened enough that I've had practice. And so I feel like okay, I know how this is going to end if I do one thing. And then I, I've seen how it will end if I choose the other better option. And so that for us has been the biggest thing is just approaching it with positivity and not hitting a negative with a negative. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's very helpful to humanize, humanize him, you know, and remind them that he is a human. Like it's not an object. I think that happens all the time. People are treated like objects all the time in various ways, especially Mm -hmm. now with social media. It's really easy to distance yourself from people because you can say whatever you want and there aren't any repercussions, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a skill we all have to relearn is how to remember that everybody, even this person that's this tiny icon on your screen is still a person, you know? And to be considerate of that, of everyone's humanity in a way that like it's really easy not to now. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have any um, kind of overarching like wisdom from your years of being on this journey with Charlie and your kids and your whole family for the the woman listening who is maybe a few steps behind you? Like, what would your advice or wisdom be? And that's like a huge question, but yeah, I'm thinking your your takeaway is, I guess I'm thinking because there's so many little bits of of wisdom. Well, okay, I would say this. This is my because I always hate wisdom that's like a wisdom that's secretly disguised a how-to 
like advice. Mm -hmm. So, cause that always feels like I don't, I don't want an instruction list. So this is my, this is what I would say. I would say the special needs. So there's, you know, the whole, there's the whole mom guilt. Like there's always something that you feel like, oh, I shouldn't have raised my voice then, or I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have done this, or I need to be more patient at dinner, or we've got to stop (laughs) eating takeout for dinner. You know, Mm -hmm. whatever the thing is with special needs parents, it's magnified because your children need so much more from you. Mm -hmm. So what you feel like you should be doing feels so much more, but you feel like there's always something that you're not tackling or that you're not doing well enough as their parent. And the thing I would say is remember that God designed you specifically to be the parent to your child. And he has graced you with gifts that nobody else could bring to that relationship that you can take care of your child in your own unique way. And so whenever you feel inadequate, know that God doesn't think you are as a parent. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to remember in the moment, but God designed you to be this child's mother and nobody else could do that job but you. And so let yourself feel a little less of that guilt and remember that God thinks you can do this. (laughs) Oh, that's such good advice. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. I I tell myself that I have to tell myself that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, anyone listening, I think could find hope in that reminder. So where can people stay connected with you online and find out more about your book? Oh yeah. Well, I I have a website and it's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E hyphen Sumner.com. And so all my stuff is on there. I Eat, Sleep, Save the World is on there. And it's also everywhere books are sold and Amazon and Lifeway and Barnes and Noble and all those places. So I'll be around. (laughs) Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I found it really encouraging and just beautiful the way that you're growing and, and learning more about God through this and able to kind of reorient your perspective to eternity. So thanks for sharing that. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you guys so much. That's all I have for you today. Don't forget to leave a review on Kindled if you enjoy listening and if you've benefited from this show at all in any way. I would love to hear from you and hear your feedback. I always accept constructive criticism as well. Feel free to email me anytime at Haley at KindledPodcast.com. I can't respond to every email I get, but I will definitely do my best. And I do read every single review that is submitted. So appreciate you guys so much. Um, I'll see you on Instagram this week. And yeah, talk to you next Monday. Bye.